0: Now for something completely different.
1: Welcome to Shout Out. Out
2: of the closet
1: and into your ears mm. Hello and welcome to Shout Out, I'm Ali Shilton
2: And I'm Lara Lanamy And on today's show ecstatic Static Prance
1: She's back, yeah Bruce um, from BCFM's entertainment show has been finding out more about it
2: And my favourite, George Michael
1: uh, Steph speaks with former manager Michael Simon um, Sorry, Simon Napier-Bell Where did I get Michael from a That's uh, his name uh, About new documentary uh, that he's been making, so
2: all that and more! Today,
1: right here on Shout Out!
3: Please hold. Your call is very important to us, and we will get to it as quickly as we can. The cataclysm is frightening for everyone. Remember, in times like these, we need to stick together more than ever. If you need emergency assistance, please call 999.
1: Your position in the queue is 333.
3: Hello, you've reached the Cataclysm Casualties hotline. Can I take your name and date of birth? Peretti Green. Morgan Jones. Xu Liu.
1: Gwen Turner. Just call me Dai.
3: Okay, and who are you calling for today?
1: My mum, Shan Thomas. She was in Aberystwyth. Matthew and Louise
2: Turner. Uh, in Kirkwall, on Orkney? My father,
3: Kai Liu. Ben... Ben
2: Jones? I I saw something on the news, but I see something. He's 15 years old. Anna and Sophie Green
3: in Portsmouth. What's happening in Calhoun? Listen, is this real? I've been seeing news reports about dragons. Let me look that up for you. Where are you calling from today? Bristol.
1: Bristol. Bristol. Bristol.
3: Lester. I'm so sorry. It looks like we haven't got anyone listed under that name on the database. This means they haven't been listed as a fatality call back tomorrow and if you haven't heard anything from us or your loved one in three days try the online form I know this is scary but it's okay we're going to get through this together
0: Kamla a post apocalyptic audio drama by Ella Watts
4: inspired by folklore and Arthurian legends coming January 2024 Produced by Tin Can Audio.
5: We do. We do it for you every week. It's a registered trademark of yours, so we can't, nobody else can do it. I don't think so.
2: I think the dum 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 comes like just je ne sais quoi, like from me, right? you You don't know why. Well, no, je ne sais quoi means like I don't know what, like it's in like a something special. So you know that's what it is. You like, are special. <laughs> we <We've been> do <doing laughs> the, the in so d-dums. many ways.
1: We do the for um, probably several years before you joined us. Oh it's, you it's might have, all. But
2: you didn't do it the way I no, do it. No, no one does yeah. it the Nobody way I do it. No one does it love. the way I do it. I give a little shimmy. I know you guys can't hear me, but I give a little. You sh- hear me? Shimmy, but <laughs> I give a little sh- <laughs> shimmy. Like,
1: anyway, that that in case you're wondering what on earth that was, that was um a trailer for a new. um podcast that's coming out in January um, that the lovely Ella Watts um, formerly of Shout Out fame formerly of Doctor Who redacted fame um, it's the next big um, one coming out so and, and you never know we might have a few snippets coming for you um, next year
2: cool. I won't lie I was wondering where that was going yeah, but like that the that's whole the whole point of a trader isn't it <laughs> yep. to be like what are you doing what uh, are you saying oh okay come <laughs> Oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Oh, yeah! Am yeah. I, I actually listening oh, to that? Yeah, yeah no, I so knew it was going there. Really? Yeah. Oh We yes. we we we, knew. we were on the train. Yeah, we were I was like looking it. up the podcast. Exactly. Like, oh, it was we that, that one. Oh yeah, yeah. No. So I'm looking forward to hearing Ella, like my Good fave. George, my God, your head's <laughs> no. like going like a tennis ball. What's well, it,
1: it was our worst Christmas too yesterday, so wow. I'm still a bit suffering. And keeping up with you two is a nightmare, <laughs> isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really. Best of times, is. isn't it? I mean, you voted for this. You wanted it. It's lovely to have you back. It's been a while. It's
2: been six, seven. Months now, no longer than that. Because I finished my PhD, didn't I? Oh, congratulations! Thank you. What did did you
1: get?
2: I mean, it's passed. You just get your literally like they literally. I remember I cried before. I mean, I was crying by the stairs, and the examiner walked down, and I was like, because i was just so I was like, what if they don't pass this? And then I screamed in his face as he walked in (laughs) to come get me because I was I just I get surprised really easily. So he walked in, and I was like, ah. (laughs) a visceral screamed in his face and he just chuckled and I was like right if I don't get it I know why um, <laughs> and yeah so I pre- I'm now hopefully on my way to becoming a doctor that, oh, no, wow. that is something I've always wanted to since I was six years old so you know dreams do come true that means you still got, got, got more
1: uni to go to become a doctor
2: absolutely not no, no. just oh, got corrections no.
1: oh okay
2: which I failed no. to do but no,
1: like, Of course a lot of people Think when they think doctor They assume medical But you're, you're not doing medical Oh
2: we like. are the original doctors yeah. Well the OG doctors yeah. Are you um, what, 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 what The what kind of with the doc- two hearts Yeah well no. Yeah no well, I have two hearts <laughs> um, Like um, my Like the original doctors Were the ones that like Were like philosophical doctors And then the doctor The medical doctors Came along after oh, that nice. um, So I'm the Like our minds is the highest degree you could possibly get Apart from being a doctor Of doctors But that's just extra No one needs that <laughs>
1: I like, sure need No, don't no,
2: no. overachieve now. Like you know, <laughs> no, you can get a doctor. No needs that. that. Literally, why no. be a doctor of doctors? Yeah, it's like
6: we so say, oh uh, hi doctor. No, actually, I'm a doctor of doctors. I'm doctor no, of doctors, no, honey. Just, honey, yeah, honey. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm doctor of doctors. You couldn't have said that posher
2: if you
1: tried. To be
6: fair though, like, does it make me want to become a doctor
2: of doctors? Yeah. of course. Right, like, yeah. I want to be one, or at least an honorary professor. Like, I feel like someone. If anyone's out there and wants to offer me an honorary professorship, I'm here, I'm ready, and I'm willing. You know.
1: No, but you're not in Bristol anymore yeah up? I love it now yeah, you... yeah.
2: oh nice cool. for everyone that's been waiting for me to come back I am back So, oh, oh dear. all the fans all the fans I know you've been writing Has in this been,
1: you're going to be here for the shout out Christmas it next week
2: no unfortunately I'm going back home to London but like next year I'll have it in my diary and I'll be ready to floor all of you in the quiz so <laughs>
1: uh, oh that's what it is you won't yeah. it might be you yeah it is that
6: I can see it there's I a mean, challenge I do need a little bit more of a lead up do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like, to be fair like, we'd be on the same team so I don't know why you know I'm yeah. insulting but you
1: it depends <laughs> on you are us. Whether well, there'll be teams <laughs> oh got well, we've like, done dog dog the world it? out yeah. here so Terry's at home. Hello, yeah. Terry. yeah, yeah. Hello, Terry.
6: Get Sydney. well, Sydney well soon, oh, Terry. In bed. Yeah, oh, in bed.
1: unfortunately my yeah.
2: Terry bear.
1: there's yeah. <sighs> lots of things going round. So. Mm, it
2: is. It's almost oh. as if it's winter. So I
1: no, know. I think I've got something to Hello. read for this. This one, haven't I? I've got have something you? to read for this. Yes. Yes, I have. So, uh, okay. Uh, Bristol's Monday night queer sober dance party, uh, otherwise known as Ecstatic Prance, um, has just celebrated its third birthday at the Malcolm X Centre in St Paul's. Uh, Bruce Guthrie of BCFM. Arts and Entertainment Show Saturday edition, um, and something of a prancer himself uh, went to find out more. Have a listen to this.
4: Joyous, ridiculous, collective.
1: Oh, it's great. Very liberating. Mm, it's great dancing without a drink in your hand.
0: So where are we?
4: We are in the Malcolm X Community Centre. And what have we been doing? (laughs) We've been uh, dancing ecstatically, hopefully, for an ecstatic prance dance session.
5: Why do you think Bristol needs a queer, sober, one hour
0: long, inclusive rave on a Monday evening?
4: (laughs) Why not? I definitely think in this current age that we're living where we're very disconnected and hooked to our devices and you know, don't have much opportunity for authentic connection. um, Any opportunity to connect with other people, to dance, to express oneself in a safe space if you like. Is, is very valuable.
0: And if you were going to poke someone to come, what three words would you use to describe it? <laughs> if, if,
2: draws, draw someone in.
4: Liberating, welcoming, and uh, inclusive. Freeing, exciting,
5: flamboyant. Here we go! Great energy. People having a good time, expressing themselves in an accepting environment. Here we go! Everywhere needs this right now. You need a space where people can come together and see the humanity
2: in each other.
4: Well, it started with me and my friend Nate, and we just wanted to dance. My name is Mary. So we went to All Hallows Hall, where I've got a workshop a studio there, and we just put on music and danced together. Just the two of us. She's a semi professional dancer, so I was like, doing this thing with her, and I was just like, this is so fun. And this was during COVID. And I was like, I want to do this with more. And then she left, actually, and to Spain. And then so I didn't have a dancing partner. And I really wanted to carry on and do it with more people, in fact. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I can start some sort of dance workshop. And then Rocky, he came to me out of the blue and basically wants to do exactly the same thing. He says, I want to do this thing. And he already had the name. He's like, I want to do this thing called ecstatic prance. And Rocky is a very um, lovely uh, ecstatic Prancy person. He, he, I, he is the symbol of ecstatic prance. And describe this is free, expressive, egalitarian. For people who want to dance, um, to express themselves in a space where they feel safe and they feel like they can just do whatever they want and there's no one looking in the corner, no one's looking at you, no one's, everyone's in it, everyone is dancing and is in it together and you're all in it together and you're all in that moment when you're just like, you're all in the zone, you know, you're in that zone and sometimes it takes a while to get to that zone but when you've got that moment when everyone's collectively in their own little dance zone, you're all collectively doing this dancing together that is just beautiful and I love that
5: and you've just crossed your three-year milestone
4: yeah and
0: you're now in the Malcolm X Centre yeah and when you look around the room for example this evening what what do you see when you look around the room
4: um well there's a lot of love from people that and there's a lot of pain actually so you see a lot of different emotions coming out with dance because a lot of people are going through like difficult moments uh difficult times in lives and good times in their lives um and dance is just a really great way to let out some of that steam yeah or even when you're feeling great it's really good to just really sort of get into that and start realizing you know how great life is
0: and the soup and the cake
4: the soup and the cake well, uh, it is here <laughs> and you can eat it
3: <laughs> My name is Cara So we're in the Malcolm X Centre which is a new venue for us but it's uh, just a, such a great lush space at the moment and there's everyone around us, that, this community that Ecstatic France has, has been building over the last three years you know, everybody is just lingering and chatting and we're eating the cake together and um, yeah, laughing together and it's just it's been so amazing to see this community build up over time and just yeah i'm i'm absolutely in love with with prance i love it so much so ecstatic prance and um, we have a website um ecstaticprance.com so you can find us by googling that we also have a whatsapp group which is on that website you can message me and i'll add you to the whatsapp group or um we're also on head first and it's every other monday seven thirty at the malcolm x center
1: shout out
2: lgbt radio for you
1: Um, and just so that you're aware, the next prance um, is next Monday, the 15th of January at the uh, Malcolm X uh, Centre in St Paul's. Tickets are £7, £5, um, and pay what you can. Uh, get there for 7.15. Um, it's a 7.30 start. Um, right. Uh, we've got a lot coming up on George Michael um, next. So um, join us um, shortly. We'll be back in a minute. We'll listen to Shout Out.
2: The Shout
5: Out Podcast.
1: Nice bit of um, George Michael there, too funky. Yeah, no. So I, you I've want fast love later, do you? Okay. I want I, I, fast I love. Drop that so that we can talk to you, but we'll put it until the Christmas one, mate.
2: I mean, I'm happy you dropped it to talk to me. Oh yeah. But don't drop, drop fast love. It's my okay. it's my one love.
1: Okay. I didn't know you were a George Michael fan.
2: I love George Michael. So, as is love, one of my favourite songs. You would
1: love. Um, and uh, the documentary, it's bit, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit heart wrenching at the end, yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. like, do I contain all his actions? No, but like, do I think he was also a trailblazer? Yes. Mm. So, and his songs b- were a bop. Do you not know yeah. think his songs were bops back yeah. in the day? Oh yeah.
1: Mhm. It was um, very talented. Yeah, very talented man, and su- and such a, a what's was philanthropist. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he did a lot secret. for. Yeah. Yeah. He kept yeah, it very help, he quiet. Yeah. Kept it Those are the types quiet. of
2: philanthropists we like. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to shout about it. Mm. No. No. You just have to be calmly just give your millions away, billions if you could. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, he did basically. Exactly. Yeah, so. Um, now, um, I, I was so, so upset that I missed this one because I'd love to have spoken to um, Simon myself. But um, I, I was I was in a meeting and he joined you early, didn't he? And, yeah, you, he you, did. You were, you were kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I do? <laughs> Andy's got all the notes. So but I think you did an ecstatically brilliant job. So um, um, this is so lucky, man. Um, Steph yeah. talking to Simon Napier-Bell, who was for um, a fair while George Michael's um, manager, wasn't he? And, and I think lifelong friend, correct me if I'm wrong.
5: Yeah. yeah.
1: So um, have yeah. a listen to this.
5: Before I mention the name of our next guest, let me just say who he managed throughout the years. The Yardbirds, John's Children, Mark Bolan, Japan, London, Sinead O'Connor, Ultravox, Boney M, Sunita, Wham, Blue Mercedes, Alsu and Candy Stanton and so many others. Welcome to shout out Simon Napier-Bell. Now, Simon... Um, just tell us a bit of background was it organic um, or was it a plan from when you were younger to get into the music business?
0: Oh, not a plan. Well, only in as much as I was a musician. And from about the age of 12 or 13, I was pretty obsessed with jazz and I learned to play the trumpet and I went off to America to be a professional musician when I was 18. So in that sense of being in the music business, that was sort of planned, but I decided I just wasn't good enough. And also, the music business seemed very straight well the music business not that i mean, i was a jazz musician playing in clubs and these, the the sort of american jazz scenes seemed very straight very difficult to to fit in with and so as i realized more and more that i was gay i thought this isn't the best place to be um but i really wasn't a great trumpet player i was i was quite good but you know there were, there were people i knew who never practiced and were brilliant and i practiced three hours a day and was sort of okay so i thought that's not the thing to do but by then i had actually I'd, I'd got to like the music business almost more than the music. No, I can't say that. I love music, but um, I, I did a stint before I went off to America where I was the band boy for Johnny Dankles band. In, in those days, a band like Johnny Dankworth's was like a group is today. There were big dance bands touring around England, and a band boy was, I suppose, what you'd call a roadie now. And uh, I loved that. I loved all the chat and the talk and the behind-the-scenes thing. So, in the back of my mind was this thing. Yeah, I would like to get in the music business, but I didn't. I came back to England and for America, and went into the film business as uh, an assistant editor in the cutting rooms. Um, and it's a, a slow path to the music business, not organic.
5: Okay, okay. Now, what dragged you into managing all these top bands throughout the decades?
0: Well, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I was, I was in, the, I was doing very well in the film business. Um, but i i started to make quite a lot of money in it i was quite good at what i was doing which is editing music for films and i, I worked in a film with Bert that Watson what's the pussycat and edited i made the score he wrote a lot of songs and i made a score out of it i made a lot of money and bought a very flashy car and started <laughs> what was going that car,
5: assignment what was it that was a car?
0: pale blue ford thunderbird which looked more like a boat than a car with the hood down it looked like it should be in a marina um and I started going to all the trendy clubs. And what I found when I went to the trendy clubs is that I met lots of new people I'd never met before. And at 2 or 3 in the morning, when I said, I've really got to get home now because I had to be in the studio at 8 o'clock in the morning, they all stayed on. And I said, how, how come you can stay up all night? They said, oh, we work in the music business. So I thought, mm, maybe I'd like to do that too. So that sort of edged me towards it. And then uh, one night I was in, um, I was in a club, and I guess I think a young aspiring pop group had seen me arrive in this stupid car and thought you know only a pop manager would have a car like that so in the middle of the at two o'clock in the morning with them my gloria playing and me with a big cocktail they came and asked me if i'd managed them i couldn't hear what they're saying because the music was too loud i was nodding my head and they took my nodding of the head to be yes and they turned up in my office the next day and told me i was their manager so i thought i'd have a try
5: Oh, so that was it? It was a complete accident, then.
0: Yeah, but I mean, what was interesting is I—I I was someone who never really had any ambition. I—I I just like pottering around and watching the world go by, and uh, it always worried me. I thought, how do you ever get anywhere in life if you don't? I mean, later on, I've—I've I've learned that most people, ninety percent of people, don't really have a fixed objective when they're young. But we were always told by our teachers, you must must decide what to do, and I never knew. And uh, but I, what I did find is, is, people in groups or young singers or musicians really knew what they wanted to do they they wanted to be big successful singers and sometimes you looked at what they were doing and thought it's not very really difficult i mean maybe some singing lessons find a good song to record you know you say you yeah, know how about you'd have singing lessons find a good song to record this oh god simon you're a genius you should manage this and you think oh, this sounds quite easy <laughs> <laughs> and so i just slowly slipped into it
5: right what was it like in the, um like with people like the Yardbirds? because um they were quite big in the 60s 70s weren't they
0: well i mean i took over the Yardbirds. i mean they were they were probably you know the three biggest groups in the world were the rolling stones the beatles and the Yardbirds. so i went from sort of nothing or managing this group uh who didn't happen you would come and ask me to manage them well that's and in the end had someone quite famous in them because bill curbishly was the singer who was the he became the um, it became a big theatre producer and uh, the head or the CEO of Everton Football Club. He died a few weeks ago, actually. Um, but, but then um, I was noticed by the Yardbirds for what I was managing to do for this group, and they they wanted to get rid of their current manager because they never seemed to get any money despite having big hits. Um, and they called me up and said, "Would I like to manage them?" And yeah, I'll do anything I'm asked, really so so there I was without much knowledge in the music business really uh managing five young guys who had a huge knowledge of it they'd been around for three years and had number one hits uh so I was sort of flying by the seats of my pants but you know I I kept up I tried to be sharp I talked to people I found out about things and did some pretty good deals for them and um that was it then. now I was really a manager
5: that that was a full-time job then I guess from then on
0: Oh, management is always a full time job, not only full time, but a lifetime job. I mean, the, the thing I don't like about management is it, I like projects. I like you make this film or do this or do that. And you think three months from now or a year from now, it'll be finished. And I have a little break. Management never has a break. I mean, it's like a marriage. You, you, you agree to manage them and that's it until you stop managing them. You're hundred percent. I, I mean, I have friends like, like Ed Bicknell, who managed our streets 23 years, you know, you don't, it's not, not a day off. It's not a minute off. Hmm. they'll call you they'll call you in the middle of the night it, it doesn't you know like having a family and children
5: how were you treated by the record companies because it seems like you're the go-between so you've got to fight for the people you manage but fight against huge corporations
0: well you're also fighting against the artists i mean you are in the middle you know artists do have a tremendous self-destruct quality so you're you're simply always with the artist because because i'm not very fond of corporations or that that whole sort of capitalist concept of profit before everything but um you have to have some sympathy for it and you know, record companies are there to make money and if the artists don't realize that and help them to some degree uh it isn't going to work and if they really want to be artists in the purest sense of the word then don't join the music business just go and sing your songs in the garden for the birds um so yes you're in the middle of both and um sometimes you find yourself arguing with the group making them understand why the record company want to do what they want to do and sometimes you're arguing with the record company telling them to have some sense and realize these people
5: are artists right let's move on to the film uh, listeners on shout out we will be back straight after the news <laughs>
6: This is Shoutout News. Welcome along. Q Voice News in the States reports that it is all change at the downtown Los Angeles gay scene around Pershing Square, which has had a gay history dating back to being a known cruising spot for gay and bi men in the 1920s. Oliver Alpuche, the pr- proprietor of Redline Bar, known for its brunches, evening dance floor and variety of drinks, is closing the bar early in 2024 and concentrating his efforts on a new initiative called Kaiso LA, which he is to run with his partner, Bradley Nitz. Bristol-born pornographic performer and pansexual public influencer Sophie Anderson has passed on to the realm of our LGBTQI plus ancestors at the age of 36. Anderson had a troubled life, including abusive parenting, teenage sexual exploitation and drug addiction. Nonetheless, despite her early exposure to the less pleasant parts of urban life, Anderson owned her sexuality as a pornographic actress and on several occasions was lauded as something of a gay icon. In 2020, Anderson and fellow adult actor Rebecca Moore along with gay porn actor Matthew Camp, began presenting Slag Wars The Next Destroyer, a reality television competition series. Anderson discussed her life and career candidly for the gay male YouTube weblog maintained by Callum McSwiggan, and also was the inspiration for several drag queen performers on and off the gay scene. Wikipedia notes that Anderson was a member and advocate for the LGBTQ community as she herself was openly pansexual her death comes just a month after the passing of oliver spedding a heterosexual porn star whom she married james barr from a gay from a gay and a non-gay podcast said i'm truly heartbroken over the loss of sophie anderson for us sophie was a beacon of liberation illuminating our journey to acceptance she empowered our queer community to embrace our true identity explore our sexual power and most importantly break free from shame The United Nations Declaration of Universal Human Rights was proclaimed on 10th December 1948, an important milestone in the development of consciousness and political praxis around the defence of humanitarian values against onslaughts from fascists, religious extremists and authoritarians of all stripes. To mark the date, the PAC, a gay bi men's fashion brand updated their blog with a profile of one of the pioneers of LGBTQIA plus equality and the very early American gay rights movement, Henry Gerber, whose activism spanned decades before the modern movement kicked off. Indeed, he founded the Society for Human Rights, the USA's first registered gay organisation in 1925. You can read about his long decades of activism at packunderwear.com, but remember that the website is not necessarily safe for work. Gay Scene Magazine QX reports on the amazing work continued to be done by the charity The Food Chain, 35 years as it, after it was founded in December 1988. Taking up the story, the magazine says on Christmas Day 1988, a group of friends got together to cook and deliver a Christmas lunch to their friends who were very ill with HIV and AIDS. This act of love and support was the foundation of The Food Chain. 35 years later, the services that this charity provides are needed as much now as they were then. They receive no public funding. At the food chain, 74% of their service users live alone. On December 25th, they open their doors to 50 service users who have been with us through the year and who who now would otherwise be spending Christmas Day alone. They hope by providing a friendly, relaxed and nurturing environment, they can ensure that our queer Christmas can be a joyful experience. They can sing carols, play games, pass the parcel, always ends in carnage, and most importantly, sit down to a full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings. Service users leave with a wrapped gift and a bag of groceries to last them through to the new year. It's a wonderful opportunity to celebrate a community that the food chain is so proud to be a part of. To find out more and if you have money available to make a donation to this lovely charity that has such experience at supporting members of the positive community, please visit foodchain.org.uk. Well, that's it for this week's news. We always have more on our constantly updated website, shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Ezra (laughs) Peregrine. Shout out news. National and international LGBT news for you.
1: Yeah, get well soon, Terry. we miss you. Hopefully have you next week.
6: This segment is sponsored by Talk to the Rainbow Councillor. Visit talktotherainbow.co.uk. Shout out LGBT
2: radio for
5: you. Right, Simon. Back to you and the film now that you've made about George Michael's life. Now, I've watched it. It impacted me greatly. He had quite a tragic life in a way. It was very balanced, wasn't it, between very euphoric um, and then depression coming in and the fight against the media. What gave you the, uh, the idea to, to start that project?
0: Well, I mean, he was a classic artist. There's nothing unique what you just described him. A tragic life. I don't like the word tragic, but a very up and down life between euphoria and depression. And just about every artist I've ever I mean I've made four films about artists and you know started with Frank Sinatra was the first one I did. And they all are exactly the same. They euphoria and depression, megalomania and and insecurity. Um they go up and down the whole time. And my original idea for the film was actually not particularly about george but the artists versus the music business versus himself because the artists are a big part of them up and down is a, a fight with their own selves and mm. the problems internal problems they have and then you know when i refined it i thought well i'd just pick on one artist and well i knew george better than anyone else because i've managed Wham. so that's how it came to be george and he did he does fulfill every criteria of the classic artist but you could equally well look at John Lennon or David Bowie or Prince or Madonna, they do follow the same euphoria to depression trend.
5: Hmm. Was he difficult to manage then? Because the the film shows him as very headstrong, knowing what he wants and that.
0: Well, I mean, you, an artist is not headstrong; it's so totally useless. I mean, if if you're having to tell an artist what to do, he's not an artist; you're just a puppet. He's just an actor you've employed to. You know, there's plenty of them around of that type, but they don't go on to be big stars or long-term stars, because it has to come from within them. So when you are managing an artist, you know it's going to be difficult. If they're not difficult, you haven't got the right one. Um, So that's not a problem. And he was also incredibly intelligent and practical and knew that he had to compromise with with things which he didn't really like at first, with the record company, with the business, how it has worked, sometimes with what I suggested. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to it and and he very quickly got the idea of what the music business was about.
5: Mm. He he was very intelligent, like you say, and very switched on cookie with the music business and very, very talented in in what he wrote. He seemed to write his songs around what was going on in his life, almost uh, like crying out because he hadn't come out for quite a while, had he? And he was trying to hide his sexuality um, in case it hurt his career in the music industry.
0: Yeah, I, you know, he, he was by the time he came out, Well, by the time he was forced out, um, uh, you know, the thing in the toilet in Los Angeles, pretty much everyone in the music business and around him knew he was gay. He, it wasn't really that he wasn't out. It was that he just didn't want to, didn't want to give the media the pleasure of, of telling them, you know? Um, so the media was sort of waiting for the moment they could pounce and tell the story, which they all really knew. He progressively being coming, you know, you know, coming out isn't one thing, is it? It's progressive. I mean, you've got to, you've got to have sex. You've got to be out to somebody or you won't be having sex. So there's the first person you come out to. And then does anybody else know? Maybe your best friend or a family and it grows. And by the time we got to that point, pretty well, everyone around George knew he was gay. And for one thing, you know, um, he'd been with his Brazilian boyfriend for, for a year before, before he tragically died. And he'd taken his boyfriend around with him everywhere. He'd been touring with the group. So there wasn't anyone who didn't know, including the media, but they sort of hadn't been given permission. And um, what happened there in Los Angeles gave them permission to pounce and use it as they would. It was a very interesting period because it was also the period when Elton John got caught up with the Sun, suing them because they said he'd been with rent boys. And, um, and the press, of the Sun particularly, felt if they've really... If they really riled against Elton, they'd carry their readers, but they slowly found their readers were dropping off, that the readers sided with Elton over the sun. So it was an interesting period where the tabloids were beginning to realize you mustn't be too anti, even if even if what they're doing seems to be something uh, which we've always been anti about in the past, it's time to change. So George in the UK didn't really get a bad time. He got a bad time in the US. I mean, it killed his American record sales, but it doubled them in the UK and Europe. And so he really lost a lot in America and gained a lot at home, which I think he preferred anyway.
5: Mm, Yeah. Now, um, he obviously started his career with Wham, but there was that hint that he wanted to go solo. Um, Was that pretty much unknown that he would gradually go solo from from Wham?
0: We knew that from the start. I mean, I think from the first couple of weeks, was managing him he said he wanted to go solo but he had got he was very planned I and mean, he, he really had sorted out what he wanted to do with his life the succession of songs he wanted to come out with how they would develop and build his image change things um and he'd worked out that, that Wam would do three albums and then four or five years together and then you know it's a teenage group and when he ceased to be a teenager he didn't want to be a teenage group and andrew agreed that that was the plan in the end though, after three years the pressure had got to him he he just didn't feel he could go on pretending to be something he wasn't you know this heterosexual couple and he you know he very much fitted into that image and played it well he wanted to be more open about himself and that's really why it finished earlier than it was intended so it was always planned he'd go solo but not quite as soon as he did and of course then he, when he went solo he didn't do what I thought he should do and would do, which is sort of come out and so say, right now wham's over. Let me let me tell you, I'm gay. Um, he created an even more heterosexual image for himself with faith and got himself deeper into the shit, you know, so that by the end of Faith, he was really extremely unhappy about he was not unhappy about being a big star. He he always wanted that, always intended it, planned for it. But he'd never understood how lonely it could be, how difficult and how guilty he felt about having to become a star by pushing a false image. And that that conflicted him a lot, which is what we saw happen in the next five or ten years, working out of that conflict and into a, a reasonably happy person. Did that give him more inspiration to write? I mean, if you go right back to the, that's the first version of Freedom he did with Wham, and he talked about being in the closet and having the key, but not using it. I mean, you know, he he knew what he was on about. Um, but it got more openly obvious as he went on and he became less, uh, he became less buttoned up about letting other people know who he was and how he was. But he was always cautious of it. He, he was the most cautious, careful, thoughtful person about his career you could ever come across. And he, he had it, if he didn't have it, if it went differently from how he planned he quickly made new plans and then stuck to those it was very thought out
5: do you think the part of his um his inability to come out early although he had quite a, a big support from his mum his dad was very conservative Greek wasn't he do you think that some of it might have been that
0: no not really I mean George always said it was my. no he didn't say that other people said oh this is Greek dad." Look, his dad ran a restaurant. You don't run a restaurant without having gay waiters, do you? His dad must have had three or four people who worked with him who he liked a lot, and, and George must have known that. Uh, no, I, the problem was AIDS, isn't it? I mean, you're in a business where you know every young person's objective is to run to the stage and touch the person who they're you know, crazy about, and now you have a disease which the media tell you if you touch that person, you'll get it and die. I mean, no pop star really wanted to be known to be gay during the AIDS period, because it was a kiss of death. The fact that Bowie had already said it, he backtracked seriously and decided he wasn't gay after all. And Elton came out of that really by by throwing himself into the cause and, and starting the Elton John AIDS Foundation. George, like Freddie Mercury and others, were really nervous at how it would impact on the public if people knew he was gay. And it would have impacted badly. Now, um, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have done it but they had to build that into their plans
5: hmm. now george was a great giver wasn't he to charities yeah. and yeah i mean he you know he for, for,
0: from the moment he came out george gave in every direction he gave uh to the gay community uh, by being so open and, and backing everybody uh he gave with money to people who needed it he had did those wonderful things when he'd be watching tv and somebody would need an operation or a new set of teeth or something and he'd just call up the station and say give it to them um he was very very charitable and didn't want people to know which you know i it is the tradition of charity that i was brought up in this you don't publicize it the problem is nowadays everybody wants to become a lord and to become a lord you have to identify yourself with having given to charity um it's it seems a very i would have thought the way to couple a lord is to give to charity without identifying it. But there we are. It's not
5: like that. No, no. But it, he he was such a, a genuine, generous, generous guy. Now the film shows how he tripped and he got into the spiral of drugs and tripped,
0: uh, tripped uh, over, or tripped with little pills. We did both, well, didn't we? Either tripped. <laughs> he double, double tripped. Double. Double <laughs> tripped, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, He He was very conscious of what he was doing. You know, I mean, there was was some things I didn't put in the film just because there's not room to put everything in, but when he was interviewed by Simon Hatterstone, um, who's one of the Guardian's greatest writers, um, you know, and he was talking about how Elton and and, uh, the Spice Girls and Jerry Halliwell wanted to try and stop him doing drugs and stopping getting out of his head and you know, he said i know what i'm doing i enjoy it I, I i don't care what they say this is how i am i want to be as i am you could argue that maybe he didn't want to be but i think it's wrong when people say they are, they know what they are and they like it to argue with them about it you can only say if it was me i wouldn't be not not that you're wrong yeah,
5: yeah. indeed indeed simon we've run right out of time but before we go um it's coming up to christmas so ideal gift i think is is your film so i i think it's available on on blu-ray but is it streaming um
0: across- it's streaming if you're in the uk it's on channel four it's been on channel four for seven months now so get it on channel four if you're in america um it's on it's on everything actually it's on amazon prime and it's on pr- pretty well every streaming platform um few other countries around the world it's streaming too you have to just, just go on the internet and check. It's it's pretty everywhere. But uh, you can buy a beautiful uh, package, which is a DVD and a Blu-ray and a book uh, with the text of a lot of the outtakes which didn't go into the movie. So it's a good
5: package. Mm-hmm. Simon Napier-Bell, thank you so much for your time and joining us here at Shout Out.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. Did you say Shout uh, Out? What you said, in- the way you said it sounded like shagged which I think is a much better name
5: for a radio station. <laughs> it's my pristine accent, my love. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a good name anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, very,
5: very nice talking yeah. to you anyway. New time, and you, Timon. Thank you for your This
6: Thanks. segment Bye. was sponsored by Talk to the Rainbow.
5: Visit talktotherainbow.co.uk. Shout out
6: LGBT radio for you. For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at...